is good to meet together again in this way, and uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks we'll be able to, at least some of us, be able to meet together in a more uh, congregational way uh, as we look at the new protocols that have been released, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. This morning we are on our last little mini-series Sunday on Hezekiah. And um, we've been looking into the journal or into the diary of King Hezekiah. And what's important to remember here as we consider uh, this story and this account is that Hezekiah was a godly king. He was a godly man. Uh, it says in Second Kings 18.5 that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord so that there was none like him among the kings of Judah after him or before him. And so this is a man of faith. And as we continue in our series here or conclude our series, we want to consider what happens to Christian faith or what happens to our faith during crisis. All godly people suffer. Hezekiah, Job, Joseph, David, Paul, Stephen, most especially Jesus, all godly people face crisis and they face suffering. And obviously, an important question for us then as Christians, as believers is, what happens to Christian faith during a crisis? Every Christian listening can answer that question several different ways with respect to their own faith. You've gone through crisis and you know how crisis affects your faith. If I was to ask you, and if you're watching uh, at your computer and you have a keyboard available and you want to type your answer into the comments on Facebook or wherever, uh, then go ahead and do that. How has a crisis in your life affected your faith? And we need to have an answer to that. What happens to Christian faith in crisis? And I can't see your comments right now, of course, but I can guess that a few of you might have put down there some of the things that we are going to see in King Hezekiah's life. Here in Isaiah chapter 38, we have been peeking into King Hezekiah's personal journal. This is the account of what he wrote down after the crisis had passed. And he's reflecting back on his own experiences during the crisis. And we saw how he felt, which was fragile and anxious and exhausted. We uh, saw from his journal what he feared, missing the people he loved, his life being cut off, and that God might be against him. And now we're going to see in the remainder verses of 15 to 20 how the crisis impacted his faith. We will learn that in a crisis, our faith will be tested. And if we humble ourselves, our faith will be strengthened, and then how our faith can be assured. Let's read uh, Isaiah 38:15 to 20 together. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. But in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol does not thank you, death does not praise you. Those who go down into the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you, as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Let's just pray before we unpack these verses. Father God, you give us this account uh, in your word in order to encourage us and in, a tort in order to train us. We just pray for your wisdom now as we unpack these things by the leading of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. 
So the first thing that we want to see here is that in a crisis, Christian faith is tested. Verse 15 says, What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Now, the flow of these verses and what they reference can be a little bit difficult to piece together. So you just have to bear with me a little bit as we unpack these verses kind of in a different order. As Hezekiah writes his own journal, he knows exactly what he's referring to, but we're going to have to look pretty carefully at the context to know how he's referring to the events of this crisis. He says here, he has spoken and he has done it. And so if we consider what God has said in this account and what God has also done in Hezekiah's life, what God has said and what God has done is that he would rescue him from illness and give him 15 more years. God was the pledge of safety that Hezekiah asked for in verse 14, directly before this. But immediately after saying that God has said it and done it, the saving of him and giving him 15 more years, he says, I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. And that's right after rejoiceful acknowledgement of God's faithfulness. Hezekiah admits that he experienced bitterness, or you could say discontent, in the midst of his crisis. And verse 17 actually amplifies that. Verse 17 says he experienced great bitterness. And so from these confessions of Hezekiah, we see the honesty of the Bible in dealing with our human condition and God's work in our life. Hezekiah does not look back and say, oh yes, when I was afflicted, I rejoiced and I thanked God for the awesome trial that he put in my life. I was happy, happy, happy all the time. And it didn't rattle me and it didn't shake my trust in God at all. No, Hezekiah here in his journal is very honest, and he says, I was very bitter. I was discontent. This was a great test for me. Hezekiah admits that when he was in crisis, when he was suffering, he was wrestling with bitterness. Hezekiah trusted God, of course. As we read, he was a godly king, and he trusted in the Lord. We were told that directly in Second Kings. He had just seen 185,000 Assyrians defeated by God. He was the godliest king of Judah ever. But when his personal trial came, he confesses, I was very bitter. It was not so easy to trust God when my life was directly impacted. Hezekiah is honest about how crisis affected his trust in God. And I know when I asked earlier what happens to our faith in crisis, many of you might have answered, my faith is tested in crisis. Maybe some of you, your faith right now is being tested. You're prone to feelings of bitterness, of resentment even towards God. You can't understand why you're not doing better in your faith, why you're not doing better in health, in finances, in your marriage, as a parent, whatever it is, whatever you're being tested in in your life right now. And you are turning to the wall, as Hezekiah did, and crying out to God, Why this? Why me? Why now? Why are you, what are you doing, God? If that's your experience, if, if the crisis or the suffering that you're faith, facing causes you to ask these questions, is it helpful to know that you feel the very same as the most godly king of Judah ever? Hezekiah does not come through this crisis with only medals of victory pinned to his chest, but he must come out of this experience with some battle wounds. Spiritually, he's going to walk with a bit of a limp, as we will see shortly, admitting honestly that his faith was tested and in the moment he was not as strong as he thought he was in his faith he says i had great bitterness but it will be for a good thing when you face crisis expect that your faith will be tested too it's normal for christian faith to be tested in crisis but let's look closer at verse 17 that parallels with verse 15 
we see here that testing is a means of our welfare. Remember, God uses means. God uses events and circumstances to accomplish his purposes. So testing is a means for our welfare, even the testing of our faith. So although Hezekiah confesses to the test of his faith and to the discouragement that it caused him, he sees that God is using the test of his faith for his welfare. And there are at least three things that we can see in this text that are for Hezekiah's benefit during this test. Verse 17 says, Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. The first thing that is good for Hezekiah is that crisis can cultivate humility. Hezekiah can look back on his crisis and see that God used even the revelation of his weak faith for his good. This is the Old Testament version of Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 in the New Testament says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And the psalmist writes in an almost identical way to Hezekiah, in this sort of shared reality of how God uses crisis. In Psalm 119.67 he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And Psalm 119.71 says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So the psalmist says that it was good that he was afflicted, that it was positive that there was good that came out of his crisis. So even when affliction and crisis expose the weakness of our faith, God uses it for our good. How did he use it for good in Hezekiah? Well, the answer is, sort of embedded back in verse 15. Hezekiah tells us what the benefit was. He says, remember, I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Now the phrase walk slowly in the Hebrew here is one word, it's dada. And it isn't referring to the pace of his walking. It literally would translate, I walk softly or I walk gently. And we would interpret it normally to mean, I walk humbly all of my years because of the bitterness or the discontent of my soul. And so with his own faith not as strong as he thought it was, and his life experience of this crisis under his belt, Hezekiah basically says, I walk humbly now. I walk slowly. I walk with a spiritual limp now, not trusting in my strength, but trusting in God's strength. So Hezekiah says that the bitterness he experienced as his faith was tested in crisis has led him now to walk with humility or to walk softly. He says, I thought I could trust my faith. I thought my faith was strong. But when the crisis fell on me, I felt bitterness. But God used even that bitterness or that test for my welfare. God used it to humble me so that I would know. And from now on, I would walk humbly and I would walk slowly. So in crisis, it's normal for godly people to have their faith tested. But God does not waste the testing of our faith. God uses this testing to humble us in order that we think of ourselves less and think of him more. If we allow ourselves to be humbled, our testing will be for our welfare. Hebrews 6.12 says that the Lord chastens those that he loves. And he does so in order to humble us so that our crisis can be used for our good. This is exactly what God did with Peter. You remember Jesus uh, at the Last Supper with his disciples. He tells them that where I am going, you cannot come. And the disciple Peter, always confident in his strength, says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll even die for you. And he thought his faith was so strong. But later that night, a little servant girl at a campfire asks him, were you not with Jesus? 
and Peter finds that he cannot even confront a 10 or 12 year old house servant. God used the testing of his faith to humble Peter. And we pick on poor Peter here a lot because he was the first one to speak up. But Matthew 26, 35 says, all the disciples said the same as Peter at the last supper. And in the end, none of the 12 stood with him. And so later in the New Testament, a couple of decades have passed, and we find that this now humbled Peter, who was restored by Jesus, is writing one of his own letters to the church. And he writes there in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. This is the reality of understanding that God uses crisis, even a crisis of our faith, to humble us. And if we will be humbled, then he will use it for our welfare and for our good. If you come to a time in your life where your faith is tested and you don't do so well, like Hezekiah or like Peter, let the test of your faith bring you humbly to Jesus and thank God that your salvation does not depend on the strength of your faith, but on the strength of God. And so a crisis of our faith, a testing of our faith, first of all, results in our welfare if we will humble ourselves. But secondly, a crisis can strengthen our faith in God's word. He says in verse 16, O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. And so there's a pattern you can see in Hezekiah's writing in this verse. There are these things and all these, and by those things men live, and in them is the life of my spirit, and God can make me live. And so there are things that bring life. He says it two or three times. But what are these things? Well, if we look back, the pattern of events here is that Hezekiah becomes sick. Isaiah says to him, you won't recover. So then Hezekiah prays, and then the word of God comes through Isaiah again, and he says, I will add 15 years to your life. And then Hezekiah prays with this new faith and confidence that he has, and that we now see in verse 16, he prays these things based on the word of God that has come to him. That's the these things. The, the things that give Hezekiah life is the word of God. And so this is how in our humility, faith is strengthened. It's strengthened by the word of God. These things are where we find life, and these things are the word of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, in Deuteronomy, as God is speaking to the people of Israel, he says the exact same pattern of events that are taking place with Hezekiah. He humbled you, he let you hunger, then he gave you manna, and let you know that man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And that's what Hezekiah is saying. It's by these things that I have life. It's by the word of the Lord. It's by the fact that he has spoken and he has done it that I have life. Or we could look again at Psalm 119. In verse 107, it says, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. You see, it's the same connection. It's the connection between our affliction, our need for life, life-giving, and the word of God is that life. And so when we are in a crisis to strengthen our faith, we need the word of God feeding our mind and our heart and our soul. Also notice the dynamic between Hezekiah's faith and God's word. Hezekiah's faith caused him to pray for what God had promised by his word. His prayer is, restore me to health. Hezekiah says, God, you say we'll add 15 more years to my life? Then let me pray that you do it. It is always best to pray with an open Bible. 
before you begin to pray earnestly, before you begin to pray seriously, seeking the movement of God in your particular crisis, in your particular affliction, open your Bible and see the word of God and then pray what God has spoken is true. True of your identity in Christ, true of God and his character. Find true statements of your situation in the scripture and pray those things back to God. In Philippians 4.3, for instance, you might be reading your Bible and you would read, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, so as you read that, that's the word of the God. It's, it's life-giving word. So you would say or you would pray and understand that Jesus gives strength. And so you stop there and you pray, God, you give strength through Jesus. I ask you to give me strength through Jesus for what I need right now. Show me how that strength comes to me through Jesus. You take the word of God and you pray it. Or in 1 Peter 1.8, we read that you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. And so we read that verse and we just say, oh, there's, there's unspeakable joy out there. That's nice. Uh, no, what we can do is we can stop there and we can say, Peter says it's possible to have inexpressible joy that we can't even put into words. I want that joy. So show me in your word how Christians have that joy. Teach me where that joy comes from and pray for that joy. And as you read the word of God, you would see in the verses right before that, it says that Christians know they have a risen savior and that therefore there is a salvation and they have a living hope and a glorious imperishable inheritance. And in the light of that knowledge, they have joy inexpressible. And so you would stop at those verses and you would pray the word of God back to God and say, this is your word, God, show me that joy. Help me know these things so deeply as these Christians did that I experienced the joy that they experienced. When you see that God promises to forgive, the right response in seeing that God promises to forgive is to repent and ask for forgiveness. Not just say, oh, it's nice that God is forgiving. Faith intersects with God's word to be strengthened by praying in the word of God. And so if we humble ourselves and if we pray in the light of God's word, in the midst of our testing, our faith will be strengthened. And then thirdly, crisis can not only strengthen our faith, but crisis will lead us into deeper assurance of our faith. Verse 17 of Hezekiah's journal here, he says, Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. There's something about a crisis, especially facing death, that causes godly people to lean into the assurance that they have of God's love and God's forgiveness. You see how Hezekiah, out of the bitterness that he knows was for his good, does not only celebrate God's work in his present life, but ultimately recognizes God's love in assuring his forgiveness and salvation for the life to come. He says, in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. You have cast all my sins behind your back. When your faith is tested, there are three things you can always be able to say of your life in Christ if you are a believer. The first one is, you can be assured and you can say, I am loved. It says, in love you have delivered me. Or literally, you loved me out of the pit. Nothing is more sure of the fact that God is love and that God loves you. He established his love for you by going to the cross in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. If God would not share his own son, Romans 8.32 says, but gave him up for us all, then his love is undebatable. 
Jesus chose to come and chose to lay down his life, 1 John 3.16 says. And he did it in love. In love he predestined us, 1 Ephesians 4 says, for adoption as his children. God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.39 says. Over and over and over again, the love of God is attested to. Everything God has done for us is in love. And so in your crisis, you can say with confidence, with assurance, that you are loved. Secondly, you can say with confidence, I am saved. Hezekiah writes here, in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. So Hezekiah praises that God has rescued him from more than just his immediate illness. God has rescued him from the place where he would be destroyed. The Bible The Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament scriptures, Jesus speaks about eternal destruction, a destroying that never ends. And Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell, in Matthew 10, 28. The worst thing that Hezekiah could imagine was not dying of whatever disease that he had. The worst thing that a Christian can imagine right now is not catching COVID and perhaps dying of COVID-19. The worst thing Hezekiah or any believer could possibly imagine would somehow be to die in our sin and find that we are separated from God and destroyed forever. Jesus Christ came into the world to save you from the pit of destruction, from the place where our sins would justly send us. And as Christians, we need not fear that. We have assurance that we are saved, just as Hezekiah had assurance. Whatever crisis you are in, in sickness or in health, whatever fear you might be facing, those that are in Christ Jesus need not fear destruction because you can say with confidence and assurance that you are loved and that you are saved. And you can say, thirdly, that you are forgiven. Notice Hezekiah says here, For you have cast my sins behind your back. This is how God has loved us and how God has saved us from the pit of destruction. You have cast my sins. Godly people know, even godly kings like Hezekiah know and are always aware that their sins are many. But they also know that there are only two places that sin can be. Our sins can either be in front of God's face or behind his back. Your sins are either before him or behind him, one or the other. The question is, where are your sins? The question is not whether you have a lot of sin or a little bit of sin. The question is not whether you have many sins or a few sins. The only question is, where are your sins? Are they before the face of God or are they thrown behind his back? Jesus died for our sin. He bore our sins on his body and he became sin for us so that when you repent of your sin, God takes them from before his face and he casts them. He throws them behind his back. And I'm guessing God has a pretty good throwing arm. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. They are thrown out of sight, and he has cast all my sins behind his back, Hezekiah says. Not just a few of them, all of them. Matthew Henry's commentary is really helpful to us here. He says, when we cast our sins behind our back, God sets them before his face. When we set our sins before our face in repentance, God casts them behind his back. Very insightful what Matthew Henry is saying there. It's easy for us to put our sins behind our back. In other words, it's easy for us to just ignore our sins, to move on and never come to grips with our sin. 
to just say, oh, it's in the past and it's forgotten and I'm not going to think about it anymore. But Matthew Henry says, if you do that, if, if you put your sins behind your back, you're just putting them in front of God. But if you take your sins out from behind your back and you put them in front of your face and you confront them and you honestly repent of them, then God will put your sins behind his back where they need to be. In crisis, your faith is tested. But in the test, if we humble ourselves, then our faith can be strengthened and our faith can be assured. One of the realities pressed home in these days is that life is much less certain than we like to think. We can make elaborate plans for our life and then a tiny little virus can just throw everything off. How rich we are in Jesus Christ, though, that on the darkest day of your life, you can say with confidence, like Hezekiah, I am forgiven, I am saved, I am loved, and nothing can ever separate me from that love of God that is in Jesus Christ. That's the reality of our Christian faith in crisis. It will be shaken. It will be tested. But if we humble ourselves, then God will use our humility to bring us life, to strengthen us, to give us assurance. And we have that assurance through Jesus Christ. And so if you do not know Jesus that way, then don't wait. Come to know Jesus today. Receive his life-giving spirit. Receive the strength of his faith and assurance of your salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we just give you thanks once again for your word. We ask that uh, we would take these words from Hezekiah's journal and the experience of his life, this godly king, and apply it to ourselves. We know that when these things come along, and it's not just COVID-19 that people are facing, you know the situations in our church family that people are confronting right now. And, uh, and those things can shake our faith. They test our faith. But Lord, I pray that like Hezekiah, that we can humble ourselves, that we can walk gently before you. And that humbly we turn to your word for its life and strengthening. And we have our faith strengthened by praying to you and by leaning into you. And then again, that we would have our faith assured that we would know that we are loved. We would know that uh, you have forgiven us. We'd know that we are saved. Father God, I just pray that these things would be reality for us as a people of God. And that then we would take that joy that comes from that and that confidence, and we would take it out into the world and we would share it with those who are struggling and uh, that they would be able to have the same hope and the same confidence in Christ Jesus as we do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.